How are we doing, guys? Bill's Mafia, what's happening? It's your boy DM3, and yes, as of right now, I am flying solo. Akeem is caught up in some traffic on the way to the house to get here tonight. We got a packed show. This is the show we were supposed to do last week, um, but I don't know if you can hear it in my voice, but I am under the weather, still under the weather. Um, Akeem and myself were both sick last week, but we have a packed show. I want to dissect um, all of the DBs, safeties, corners, all that stuff. I'm going to break it all down. I'm going to let the the room load for a little bit. And again, I'm kind of flying off the cuff here because I had a whole bunch of stuff set up for uh, a show with me and a rich, but I'll, I'll knock through this solo if I have to. And what's going on guys, Saturday night bills. If you guys are new to the channel or if you're new to our Facebook page or our Twitter page, I am DM three. I am uh, the founder of built in Buffalo. You can find me on Twitter at DM three underscore B I B. I see Don and max are already in the house. Our Facebook crew is starting to file in guys. Do me a favor. Give me a thumbs up. That way we get more and more interaction. You guys can chat it up in the, in the comment section and you guys can bring your questions, comments. If you guys want to throw a super chat in there, that's a donation that goes right back into the brand. Uh, let me know what you guys think. We're going to get started here in just a couple minutes. Let the, let the room load for a minute. Again, a rich should be here shortly. And then we're going to break down everything um, as pertains to what's happened this week with the bills. What's happening in Twitterverse this week with the bills. What's going on uh, with OTAs? We have mandatory minicamp coming next week. And then we're going to talk about the DBs because I definitely want to talk about the, the defensive backs in this Bills unit going into 2021 and see if we can get back to where the Bills were in 2019, 2018, 2017. So, again, I'm DM3. This is Built in Buffalo. Thank you for spending some time with me on your Saturday night. Uh, first and foremost, this is how I always like to start the show, whether I'm flying solo or I'm doing this with my guy, a rich, this is a little segment that I like to call. All right, so this week in, in Buffalo, we had a lot of stuff happen but kind of behind the scenes. A lot of stuff happened in training camp. There's a lot of stuff around the NFL, but I thought this was pretty cool, so I wanted to put this one up there. Brandon Bean, as we all know, he was voted on as executive of the year in 2020. So he gets another award from the Pro Football Writers Association. He gets the Jack Horrigan Award, again, for dealing with local and national media. Uh, as we all know, this offseason, Brandon Bean was all over national media talking about the upcoming season, talking about the draft, talking about, you know, free agency, talking about what the team needed to do to improve over last season. And this is just a, another testament to Brandon Bean and his work ethic that he's he's put in place since he's been here since, you know, 2017. Right after the draft, Brandon Bean came in started making these splash moves with trades and, you know, acquiring draft capital to, to go and get Josh Allen and Tremaine Edmonds in 2018. So kudos to him. It's just another thing I thought that was neat. Not a lot of people were aware of what that award was. So I thought I'd bring some light to that because that's kind of a cool deal to see a Buffalo Bills front office member getting multiple awards within a calendar year, I thought was pretty cool. So next up we have, so this, this came out, 
This was from Bleacher Report. Now, I don't know how many of you guys, you know, follow Bleacher Report or have the app on your phone or if you guys just follow what they do. They do a lot of stuff with the whichever team you follow. You can go on there and find nice snippets from Twitter. You, they, they do write articles. I found this one was really intriguing. Um, and as you guys all know, I battle with with PFF all the time talking about how they seemingly just leave the bills off their lists, whether it be something like this with the best wide receiver duo, whether it be best safety duo, whether it be quarterbacks, running backs, passing game, coordinators, whatever it is. But this one kind of struck a nerve with me, right? So if you look at the list, this is the top five wide receiver duos, according to Bleacher Report, heading into 2021. As you see, number five, Adam Thielen and Justin Jefferson. Number four, the Cowboys with Amari Cooper and CeeDee Lamb. Number three, the, C- the Seahawks with DK Metcalf and Tyler Lockett. Number two, the Titans, who just acquired Julio Jones and A.J. Brown. And the Buccaneers with Mike Evans and Chris Godwin. Now, I take this a little bit like, like a shot. Why do I take this as a shot? Well, because if you look at the combined stats for all of these receivers last year, even with Julio Jones being on the Falcons and add that into what A.J. Brown did with the Titans, Stefan Diggs and Cole Beasley were hands down better statistically. So I'm not sure if that's, you know, they were looking at what the future holds for these these players. You know, I'm not sure. There wasn't much written in the article about um, the Bills did come in at number six, but there wasn't much written in the article about how they think that maybe Cole Beasley is going to be coming back from that broken fibula and maybe he's going to be hampered a little bit going into the season. But I just thought that how could you not have a top five wide receiver duo list without having those two guys on it or being in the top three, to be honest with you. So another cool thing that happened this week, Tommy Sweeney is back at Bills practice. Looked pretty good running his routes. Uh, hopefully he's going to get a clean bill of health. He's going to be able to compete uh, in training camp for a roster spot. Again, we didn't see Tommy Sweeney all of 2019 because of, he had a, a heart scare, um, which was from his bout with COVID last year. So it's it's an amazing story. I think all of Bill's Mafia can get behind a story like this and kind of push for this guy and, and pull for this guy and hope that he can make the squad, right? So I'm going to hit the comment section real quick because you guys are trying – to do what you do every show, and that's blow up my comment section. So I see that uh, Y says magic bean. Yeah, he does have some magic beans. I, I can agree with that. And then this is this is good right here. This is like bulletin board material right here, right? It's only going to motivate these guys. It seems like every year since Sean McDermott's been here, there's been some sort of social media you know, postings, rankings, what have you, that that motivates these guys. It becomes bolt and board material. And to be honest with you, I like being the underdog. I like being the team that not a lot of people are talking about, which is kind of hard now that everybody's talking about the Bills and their 13 and three, you know, performance last year and what they're going to do to come back off of that. So that's a great comment. I think it's going to motivate these guys. And I think that they're going to all be motivated to begin with because everybody's saying that they're still not. You know, they didn't do enough to compete with the likes of the Kansas City Chiefs. And everybody wants to talk, you know, about um, everybody wants to talk about, you know, what other teams have done in the AFC East and the Bills didn't really do much. So before I get going, I'm going to continue on. But my guy, my guy, Akeem, is in the house. So I'm going to bring him in here. 
Give me one sec. Let me get let me get my visuals right here. And we'll bring my guy A Rich. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. How you doing, buddy? What's going on, brother? What a day, bro, but I'm here. <laughs> I am here. How you doing? Hey, I'm good, man. I'm good. We're just going over some things this week in Buffalo. So I already talked about a few things. I know a bunch of those were your hot topics. So um, we'll continue on. The next step is Julio Jones traded to the Tennessee Titans. And now everybody wants to talk about the Tennessee Titans and their wide receiving core. And this is going to put them over the top and all that gibberish. Hey, Rich, what was your initial take on the Julio Jones trade to the Titans? Uh, we play them. So it makes the the Monday night game, I believe, it makes the Monday night game a bit more intriguing when we play them. It's, it's, it's more popcorn involved. There's more, it's more lights, more camera, more action because Julio Jones now comes to town and he's a big guy, big physical freak, uh, along with A.J. Brown, along with Derrick Henry. So it makes the matchup uh, even more intriguing because low-key, we do have some sort of rivalry, in my opinion, going on with the Titans already. So uh, this just adds uh, to that low-key rivalry, in my opinion. In your opinion, has the Bills, Titans, they play every year, right? They've played every year for like the last like three or four years. So is this becoming one of the AFC's top rivalries or is it still Bills Chiefs or, or what? what's your thoughts? You know, I, I, I believe there are a, a lot of good rivalries still that may be ahead of us. Uh, Pittsburgh, Baltimore, uh, maybe a good rivalry. Uh, Kansas City Chiefs, uh, they have their rivalries with the Baltimore Ravens. But I believe we're, we're not too far behind in terms of us in rivalries with the Tennessee Titans. We're, we're not too far for, behind uh, from the more marquee matchups. I agree with you. All right, last one. This was kind of cool. Um, this made its way through social media. Jim Kelly passes the torch to Josh Allen, actually wrote it on the football that those two gentlemen there are holding. So this wasn't a huge deal. Like, I, I, I feel like this is just something that's kind of gives you the feels like, right. Like kind of, kind of, kind of makes you feel good about the fact that I think Jim Kelly before last season came out in a presser and said, I think that Josh Allen's going to smash all my records. So how, how does this make you feel knowing that Jim Kelly realizes what he has in front of him with Josh Allen? How does that make you feel? Uh, it should make everybody feel elated, right? We finally have, that franchise quarterback that we actually feel comfortable passing the torch from a Jim Kelly. You know, we never had a, a quarterback worthy of a passing the torch moment. So uh, with the growth of Josh Allen and what he was, he's been able to accomplish his last couple of years with the Buffalo Bills. Uh, I think it's, it's appropriate to pass him the, the, the torch. And I think it's a, an incredible sight to see. And it's a wonderful feeling. Now I know it's early, it's early in like talking about Josh Allen and he's only been on the team three years. And so let me, let me give you a hypothetical Josh Allen in the next five years wins the Super Bowl. team makes the playoffs every year. Does Josh Allen go down as the greatest quarterback in Buffalo bills history? Uh, if he wins a Super Bowl, Yes. Yes. Because, uh, we know Jim Kelly has, has been a great quarterback for the Buffalo Bills back in his heyday, right? But he's uh, 
been to AFC championship games. He's been to Super Bowls, but he's never actually hoisted the Lombardi trophy. The Buffalo Bills never been to and experienced a parade. So if Josh Allen can bring that to our fan base, to, to the city of Buffalo, I, I think that would put him over the top. I couldn't agree with you more. I couldn't agree with you more. All right. So that was this week in, in Buffalo. A Rich is here. A Rich is in the house running, running around, doing stuff. So Arnett, you good? You, you need <laughs> yeah. a minute? You need yeah, to take I'm good it in? now. I'm, I'm good now. I'm good now. As you can see, I don't have my background. I had to come in and rush in. The traffic on the road has <laughs> been crazy. It's, it's, it's been clear every weekend. This weekend I had traffic. It's just it, everything is coincidental. <laughs> coincidental. So it's all good. I'm glad I'm here. All right, my favorite segment of the show right here. All right, so I have a few tweets that I found from last week that we were going to do on our show, but of course me and you were both sick. So I have a few tweets that are related to the topic of the show. And then I have a couple of random ones from some stuff that kind of was going around the Twitterverse this week. So first one up, Dan Fettis, the bills have played 69 games since the start of the 2017 season. Jordan Poyer has played 68. Micah Hyde has played 67. That's insane. Let me read that again. The Bills have played 69 games since 2017 season started. Jordan Poyer's played 68. Micah Hyde's played 67. So I think we were going to get into this later on when we talk about the safety position. But have you seen continuity like that in the, the back half of your DBs in the NFL? Like in recent memory, when when has there been a team that's had this kind of consistency with their safeties? I I, I haven't. You know, I, I haven't seen the, this type of consistency. Now, again, uh, I don't study teams and I'm not in depth with teams as much as I am with the Buffalo Bills. But uh, availability and durability is is something that should be taken into account a lot more. You know, I think uh, a lot of the Buffalo Bills fan base and the other fans around the league look at Jordan Poirier and Micah Hyde as uh, very good, but not great players. And in my opinion, this is a part of what makes these players great. 69 games since coming over, they one played in 67 and one played in 68. That's incredible. That's incredible durability for a starting tandem. And in my opinion, this is why they're one of the best safety duels in the league because they are always available and it matters. Yeah. The best ability is availability. So kind of to piggyback off of what you just said, Micah Hyde was recently interviewed uh, by the Buffalo media. And he said he's never played alongside a safety as long as he's played next to Jordan Poyer. The trust between them shows that. And to A. Rich's point, he pointed out he doesn't care what these lists say as far as rankings. Consistency of the two says it all. So basically what you just said, he he basically said the same exact thing. Like, look, I don't care about your lists. Let's talk about what we do on the field and how we play together. So what do you think about that? As great as, for example, and I don't want to, I'm just using them as an example. As great as Duran James is, right? We always hear about Duran James' talent. He's a he's a freak. He could do uh, everything at the safety position. As great of a talent he is, 
he is never available right yeah. so how, how how much does it matter how talented you are if the world can't see it right I, availability I matters i agree with you a thousand percent all right so i'm gonna switch up topics here a little bit brian dable says balance is good if you win not very good if you lose in regards to improving the run game dable has efficiency is where to focus more than the running game so i'm not sure if everybody saw brian dable he, he did a zoom call with the buffalo media this week and he was very i mean he was very opinionated about the fact that, he, that they they hear and they see everything like the bills coaching staff the front office the players they they see all the chirping that was happening all last year all offseason can we run is it the running backs is it the line was it the scheme he came flat out and said I'm going to work on the scheme, but whatever's working that day, that's what we're going to do. If it's running, fine. If it's passing, fine. But all I care about is W's. How do you feel about that statement from Brian Dable? You know what? When I when I seen the actual tweet, I I was rather confused. <laughs> I, I'm not going <laughs> I'm not going to lie to you. I was rather confused. The balance does not. Uh, it doesn't matter if if. Uh, the balance doesn't matter. Can you put that tweet back up there? Yeah, Brian DeBoer says balance is very good if you win, not very good if you lose. Uh, if we're passing the ball 50 times like we did, we it, it was a lot of questions asked anyway, right? So it does. if you're doing too much of, of, of anything, I think it becomes a problem for fans. So, yes, at the end of the day, all we care about is the W. All we care about is the win. And if he passes 50 times and doesn't run and it equates to a victory – then I have no words, but if it it is, it has to be a victory, right? Otherwise, questions were, would remain. And I think too, to to your point, I think the biggest time the Bills Mafia griped about the run game was those close games that the Bills lost. Like if you look at the AFC Championship game or the game against the Chiefs during the season, the Bills didn't run. They should have kept the Chiefs off the field, right? But nobody was talking about the run game against the 49ers against the Seahawks when when Josh was just lighting teams on fire like nobody talked about it until it was like okay well maybe we should run because we have to control the clock and you know it, it'll be, keep the defense honest and then that opens up the passing game but then you look at the New England game Josh had the first New England game Josh had 18 attempts because they were able to run the ball and the Bills won that game and nobody nobody said anything and then you look at the the second New England game Josh threw four touchdowns. Nobody said a thing about the run game. Nothing. So it is what it is. I honestly think, though, that they're going to try to instill the 2019 run package that, that was successful, even with Frank Gore. So I, I think that's going to be something to look forward to. All right. So Sal Capaccio tweets out, Bill's defensive coordinator, Leslie Frazier, seems like each year since becoming a starter, Levi Wallace has had to fend off competition and he stood the test every time. I don't think he gets concerned about who we draft or who we sign. Because uh, you had your show Tuesday, and you talked about the number two corner position. And we've talked in our group chats, and just me and you in general have talked about the fact that, have they really tried to replace Levi Wallace? Have they really tried to replace him? Josh Norman, they took a flyer on, I think. Yes, it was a $6 million contract. EJ Gaines, it was like, Everybody, every time they sign EJ Gaines, it's like 50-50. Is he going to get injured? Is he going to make it through the season? And then last year he opted out. So it's like they didn't really bring him in to compete. 
Vontae Davis. We know how that all worked out. So it's like, is he really beating these guys out or is he just technically better than the guys that they bring in? Now we'll talk heavy on this in a little bit here about Dane Jackson. I think this is the true competition and this is the first year where he's going to have to earn every single snap that he gets. I'm talking about Levi Wallace. What's your thoughts on what Leslie Frazier had to say about Levi Wallace? Leslie Frazier technically, right, is correct. We've brought in guys. Uh, Levi Wallace uh, has been on the team and competed for that number two quarter cornerback position, and he staved off whoever we brought in, right? EJ Gaines, uh, Philip Gaines, uh, 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 Josh Norman, right? But the problem is we brought in stopgap players. We right. didn't bring in core players. We didn't bring in foundation players. We didn't bring in players that we felt could be a part of the future for the Buffalo Bills. So uh, I question uh, what he's saying in a sense, but technically he's correct. But I would I like to see uh, a better, uh, more herald player uh, uh, compete for that number two cornerback position? Yes. A more talented player, draft, spend a second round pick, spend a third round pick on a cornerback and let him compete with Levi Wallace. And if Levi Wallace beats him out, then okay, shit. Levi Wallace, you earned your job. But when we're talking about uh, guys that's past their prime in Josh Norman, and we're talking about seventh round picks in Dane Jackson, and that's no disrespect, but I got to call a spade a spade, you but a seventh round pick for a reason, right? So when you're talking about guys like that, it's it's not – it's not believable enough to the fan base, so to speak. Yeah, but Levi Wallace is undrafted. At least Dane Jackson went in the draft. Nice. Nice. (laughs) Touche. Touche. I mean, I I don't know. I just – you got to think, looking at the draft, we were all in love with Asante Samuel Jr. We were all in love with him at 30 or in the second if he was still there. We We were in love with him. I just don't think maybe the Bills weren't in love with him. Maybe Greg Newsom was the guy that they wanted, or you know, maybe there was a DB that went earlier that they thought might have been there at thirty, and then, then they switched up and said, "All right, we're double dipping on defensive end." Because even if you watch the embedded video of behind the scenes stuff from the draft, Sean McDermott was st- was concerned. He was like, when they when this when Boogie Basham came up and, and Brandon Bean's like, "I want him," Sean McDermott sat there and said, "We're really doing this." So I think they he even thought maybe that they were going to go in a different direction with a different position. So I don't know, something to think about, but we're going to get into that here in a little bit. Yep. Uh, last but not least, I brought this up. I could have put this in the, this week in Buffalo, but it blew up on Twitter. Like people on Twitter were going bananas about the fact that the Bills contract is up with St. John Fisher College. They're going to stay at one Bills drive for training camp again this year. What's your what's your initial thoughts on this? Because I have I have a couple that, that I want to share, but what, what was your take on this? Did we did we go to one Bills drive? Uh did we go to uh 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 Jeff Fisher? Did we go to that college last year? Did we St. go John, last St. John Fisher? No, St. John stayed, Fisher. No, they stayed home last year because of COVID. So, okay. So yeah, the Buffalo so the Buffalo Bills didn't go there. They stayed home. They're not going there this year, right? They right. stayed, they're staying home. Last year, we went 15-4. and four. We went to the AFC title game, right? <laughs> I, I'm a little superstitious. 
You know, I, I I roll with some stupid uh, superstitions. Therefore, I'm comfortable with staying home again this year. You know, it mm-hmm. seems like it seems like we had uh, some 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 players and and the organization was comfortable. Obviously, that's that's our home. We didn't have to travel too much, and we played well all last year. I'm not saying it matters, but uh, I think about certain superstitions, and if it's not broke, don't fix it. I'm not mad at this at all. You know what I think? I think that you have owners that spent multi-millions on a training facility. You have Sean McDermott, who is a creature of habit, right? Last year was different because of the pandemic. They couldn't do a whole bunch of stuff that they would have done in like in 2000, before 2019, where they, they went to St. John Fisher and they, they had regular mini camps, training camps, preseason, stuff like that. So I think Sean McDermott also is okay with the fact that they don't have to now travel and change what they did last year, like you said. But you have this facility sitting there. Why wouldn't you just let your guys go use that in their downtime instead of being stuck in a college dorm room? You know what I mean? I, I think I think you're going to start to see more and more NFL teams are going to start doing this where they don't have to travel. Now, I understand it's – you're going out into the community and you're, you're going to Rochester and you're going to St. John Fisher and it's cool for the fans to come. But again, we don't even know if fans would be allowed at this. We don't, we don't know a lot of stuff. So I, I think to me, staying at one bills drive makes a lot of sense. The guys, some of the guys that live in Buffalo, they're, they're there. They don't have to travel. Um, they don't have to put these guys up in rooms. And I understand the whole camaraderie aspect of it. You, these guys get to bond when they go to St. John Fisher and, all they do is football when they're there because they they're not you know they don't leave the campus and, that, and that's it. But I don't know. I think I think if it if it wasn't broke last year and you have this facility sitting there, you, you use it and you stay at home. So I'm gonna check the comment section real quick. A lot of stuff is blowing up. And here here's a great comment from CR: less disruption for the players. Now, now, I, now, I, I think that's an excellent comment, right? Less disruption for for the players, but let's look at it on the uh, on on the opposite side of the spectrum. Uh, maybe we we're gonna need some disruption at some point, right? Last year, fans wasn't in the stadium. This year, fans are going to be in the stadium, so there's going to be a lot of disruption. On during these road games, you're going to have these rowdy fans. I don't know what these fans are going to do. We see what's going on in the NBA, right? When guys are getting hit with popcorn and 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 players is is interacting with fans because the fans is overly excited and doing stuff and throwing yeah. stuff in, um in the field of play. We don't know what's going to happen on the road this year, but we know that the fans are going to be excited and it's going to be a lot of disruption. So the Buffalo Bills may have to get used to that noise crowd and that, and some them type of distractions to stay focused because it's going to be a different season than last year. I agree with you a hundred percent. It's going to be different. Um, first off, it's going to be great to actually have Bills Mafia be able to enjoy um, a good product on the field. Cause I, I think we all can agree that the Bills are going to be pretty good this year. Um, and I think too, it's going to be nice to have some of these new players experience Bills Mafia, like the rookies and the guys that came on the team last year that weren't able to do that. And they get a grasp for the fan base and how much they love and support this team. So I think, I think that that's, that's a win-win. All right. So we're going to move on. Let's talk about cornerbacks. Let's talk about cornerbacks first and then we'll do safeties. Um, I think that 
this is going to be a heavy topic on the show. Um, I think you and me have different opinions on a couple of these subjects. So first and foremost, we'll start with Tredavious White, our, our reigning All-Pro, Pro Bowl, going into his fifth year. How do you feel, and we'll break this down further here, but how do you feel about his 2020 season overall? How do you feel? Uh, I th- I feel that Tre'Davious Wright, uh, Tre'Davious White had uh, a good year, but not the year to his standards, in my opinion. Not the the year uh, I would expect from a, a from an All Pro type cornerback, right? When I think of a guy in Tre'Davious Wright, in Tre'Davious White, excuse me, especially with the season he had in 2019, I expect him to line up against the opposition, against the number one receiver. Uh, every week and uh, hold him down considerably, right? And I think he didn't show enough resistance at certain times uh, during the season to be considered a top flight number one uh, cornerback in this NFL. So I'm hoping this year Tredavious Tredavious White gets back to that all-pro solidified uh, number one corner that I know he could be. I agree with you 100%. I'm going to put up a couple things about about Trey here. Highest graded third highest grade quarterbacks on th- cornerbacks on third down since 2019. Tredavious White number 1 on third down, which is when it counts the most because you're trying to get that team off the field. Xavier Howard uh, comes in at sec- in second. All right. So there's a lot of stuff going around about on social media about you know, top five, top 10 corners in the NFL. Mm -hmm. And there was some stuff going on about top corners in the AFC East. Mm -hmm. So tell me, where does Trey rank for you in the AFC East? And who is he behind or ahead or however you want to do it? Trey White is the second best cornerback in my opinion, right now in the AFC East. Uh Stephon, uh Xavier Howard, Miami Dolphins. Is first? In my in my opinion, listen, throw up that throw up that that film where he's covering Tyreek Hill step for step and gets a one hand interception. There are not a lot of cornerbacks in this NFL that can stay step for step with Tyreek Hill with no safety help over the top and gets an interception. And that's Patrick Mahomes throwing him the ball. That play alone is impressive enough for me to put him at the number one cornerback in the AFC East. I'm sorry. I love Trey White, but he's a predominantly zone cornerback. And Xavier Howard is that man-to-man corner that can play zone when necessary. So that's why uh, coming into this season, I have him. I have Trey White number two behind Xavier Howard. If you, all right, so everybody sees that 10 interceptions last year and they're like, oh my God, they lose their mind, right? It's like that that scene from the, the Batman with the Joker that everybody loses their mind. Yeah. <laughs> everybody loses their mind because of his 10 interceptions. But if you take that away, because some of those are garbage time interceptions. When your team's not winning, it's not an important play in the fourth quarter. It's, it's a garbage time, inter- like the, Interception he had against Josh last year in week 17. That 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 play meant nothing because Josh came back and put up three touchdowns and then it was like, all right, I'm out. Um, if you look at the stats 
if, if, if we want to be stat warriors, if you look at the stats between Xavier Howard and Tredavious White, as far as opposing uh, quarterback rating, opposing completion percentage, how many touchdowns given up, Trey is better in all of them. All of them. Because I looked it up because I was going to go to war with this Miami Dolphins fan on Twitter, but then he like backed out of the conversation and stopped responding. And you can argue, you can argue based on that fact, you can argue that Stefan Gilmore is better than both of them. And I hate to say that, but for the last four years, if you look at, if we're looking at, and on top of the fact, how many, you know, how many games Xavier Howard's missed in his five year career? Mm-hmm. 20. How many games has Tredavious White missed? One. Because two. he was injured. He mm-hmm. he sat out one, and mm-hmm. he was injured. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, your your best ability is to be able to play. And I just put up that third down stat. That's, to me, the reason why I brought that up, and there was a ton of them because I did a ton of research on trade. The reason why I brought this one up is because third down, to me, is one of the most crucial downs you know, this could be first quarter, fourth quarter, whenever. But to me, this stat right here is is important. So I'm not saying Trey's better than Xavier Howard in a ranking system. I'm just saying if we're talking about the two, we're putting both of them on the table. If you want to look at stats, look at stats, because everybody's quick to throw out 10 interceptions for Xavier Howard last year. Trey had three. And I think, and I think when you look at it in more of a – longevity if you're not i i was more concerned with like the year to year if you're looking longevity i i can definitely attest to that you know xavier howard has missed time and uh stefan gilmore just won defensive player of the year last year but uh right. his drop off last year was a steep one it wasn't it, it wasn't like what was it what i don't think it was i don't think tredavious white had a drop off like stefan gilmore that's why i put him at two oh, okay over gilmore you, you know i got so, you I just, I just think that people talk about the fact that in 2019 he had the six picks, and you know he didn't give up any touchdowns, and all this stuff. And then they look at last year. Well, he only had three picks, and he only had, you know, he was down in his pass defense and things like that. He wasn't targeted nearly as much as he was targeted in 2019. There's a reason for that. There's absolutely a reason for that. And to me, you talk about the play of Xavion Howard picking off that pass, the one-handed pass when he was when he was man for man with mm-hmm. Tyreek Hill. I get that. Mm-hmm. I'll talk about the play where Tredavious White completely he completely fooled Russell Wilson. And Russell Wilson is a top 5 quarterback in the NFL mm-hmm. in the in the game against the Seahawks. He completely baited him into making that throw. He just he just sat there in the zone and was like, all right, I'm going to pretend like I'm guarding this guy. And as soon as Russell Wilson threw that pass, he broke on the ball. And to me, I think I think a lot of people talk about Trey, and they think, well, he's too small, and he doesn't know how to play man coverage, and he's a he's a scheme guy, and you know he he's he's a McDermott fit, and he wouldn't be able to play man to man and bump coverage and this and that. But I I just I don't I don't I don't see it. That stuff doesn't fly with me. All right, so a little bit more on Tre'Davious White. He's again. He's played four seasons, 61 games. He's the only player, him and Harrison Smith, are the only defensive backs in the last, I believe it's the last, since 2017 when Trey came in the league, to have 15 picks and 10 tackles for loss. And Trey has a bunch more pass defense than Harrison Smith does. And I posted that on our Instagram page, and that thing blew up. 
like crazy. So, I mean, he was an all pro last year. I mean, there's a yeah. reason why he's voted an all pro, you know? So I just don't understand the, the, the slack that people are giving him for having a down year. Now for our standards, I think for our guy that we just paid a bunch of money to, to be, you know, the guy CB one mm-hmm. for the next five years, mm-hmm. we want to see the interceptions and we want to see the, the, the flashy pass breakups. And we want to see him guarding Tyreek Hill and we want to see all that stuff. But I just don't know if that's, if that's going to always happen because of the system that the bills play. All right. So let's move on to this guy right here. We started talking about him a little bit with the tweet this. So let's, let's dig into Levi Wallace a little bit more. Now he took a team friendly, basically minimum contract to play with the bills. He said he didn't even, you know, look at any of the other offers in free agency. Mm-hmm. So what's, what's your, can, can Levi Wallace do more to improve this season, or do we already know what we we have with Levi Wallace? <clears throat> Levi Wallace, in, in my opinion, got to call a spade a spade, is topped out. We know what Levi Wallace is going to bring to the table. We know what he is. He's he's a six-foot corner, long arms. Uh, he's going to play good and, and run support. He's one of our better tacklers in the secondary, but he does struggle at cutting coverage at times. He is a liability in coverage at times. He does get picked on at times, and we've seen that uh, each season that uh, Levi Wallace has been a starter for the Buffalo Bills. So uh, in my opinion, he is a, a solid player but unspectacular. Uh, You can do far worse than Levi Wallace, but you can also do uh, much better, in my opinion. And and that's Levi Wallace in a nutshell. All right. I I agree with you. The thing that people always want to argue with Levi Wallace is that his tackling grade on PFF is the best on the Bills roster. And my counter argument to that is because he, and I've said this, and you probably heard me say this, and I'll say it till I'm blue in the face. Is that because he's the guy tackling the guy that just caught the pass who he's guarding one-on-one? You, you know what I'm saying? Like, is he giving up the receptions? Because we saw it. We've seen it. There's, There's been games over Levi Wallace's tenure with the Bills where he clearly, and you always call it out in our group chat, Levi's getting picked on. Levi's getting picked on. And... There's games that I can remember vaguely or, or not I'm not vaguely but there's games that are just like instilled in my brain to where he that the Browns game of 2019 he was picked on bad in that game and then when they switched coverage and Trey was covering OBJ nothing happened nothing so I I, I don't know I just I, I'm not I'm not quite sure what is seen in practice. We're not privy to that information. I'm not, maybe he's a practice warrior and he gets on the field and he's just not the best. He's playing across from Trey. So, you know, you're going to be compared to him constantly. So we can't sit here and think that we're going to have two stud all pro corners because that doesn't, that rarely happens. This isn't the Legion of boom. Like this, this, it, it rarely happens. I, You've always said that I think we know what his ceiling and his floor is, and I think mm-hmm. that's where he's at. Mm-hmm. No, that's that's now, just, that's my take. That's just my that's my opinion on him. Now, see the Buffalo Bills and Daniel Gary says the Bills are one in three without Levi Wallace, and uh, he, 
he says that, but I say that is because we're one in three without we're one in three without Levi Wallace because he's the next best player we have. <laughs> that is the problem. We yes, we are one in three without him, but it is it's no better than Levi after that. We don't Levi Wallace is possibly the second best cornerback on a Super Bowl contending team, and he's an undrafted player. That 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 speaks on something, in my opinion. I believe, and as as great as Sean McDermott is, as great as Brandon Bean is, I think they're ignoring the position a little bit. Uh, I know what your philosophy is. I know it works. I know Levi Wallace is a solid player, a lot than uh, a lot better than an undrafted pick. But I think they would they being a little stubborn. I, I really feel that we could have got uh, another player to at least compete. A second round pick, a third round pick, a fourth round pick to at least compete <laughs> with Levi Wallace. And if Levi Wallace can win the job, then fine. I agree. And this is a great comment from Jason Taylor. It says if Levi had looked at other offers, he would have been a backup if signed somewhere else, in my opinion. I can't I can't deny that. Well, that's that's I think that's spot on. I think he knew that you know what he's got, the relationship. And and I've said this a thousand times. I think that Sean McDermott loves Levi Wallace in Maybe because there's more to it than just his play on the field. Maybe it's his work ethic. Maybe it's his story. Maybe it's his drive, his determination. We've seen that happen with Sean McDermott before. We had Pat DeMarco on this team and never used him for how many years? Because he was the lunch pail guy. He was the he was the uh, locker room warrior. He was do good in the community. He was this guy that was a great teammate. Maybe that's who Levi Wallace is. Maybe he's just that guy that... He's never going to talk back to you. He's always going to do what you ask him to, and he's going to play as hard as he can. So, I mean, they haven't, like you said, they haven't replaced him yet. They haven't. So what what, what are they seeing that – and I'm not saying Levi Wallace is horrible. I don't want anybody to, to No, you know, he's to solid. That. He's yeah, solid. I'm not, I'm not saying – because I, I've seen other, other brands do shows, and they always rip – uh, other content creators for saying that Levi Wallace is trash because they give their expert opinion and say that he's not trash. I'm just saying that they're the bills. Like you said, can do better. The bills can absolutely do better. Do we have the DBs cornerbacks? Let's just talk about corners first. Do we have the cornerbacks to keep pace with the Kansas city chiefs and even the Cleveland Browns? If OBJ comes back healthy this year, do we have the corners that can compete with those teams? I don't think we do. I don't think we do. <coughs> you guys have to excuse me. I'm still and, getting over it. I'm drinking this nasty medicine stuff too, so I apologize. And again, so Le- I, go ahead. Now nah, you got it. You got it, bro. You got it. But again, uh, Levi Wallace. You know, uh, he's he's been there for a while, and he's been supplanted at the number two cornerback position. But think about, and but this is why, you know, nobody is criticizing anybody and nobody's going to criticize, especially where uh, the leaps and bounds the organization has, has been to and has, has come from. Right. But if you think about the effort, the Buffalo bills organization put into certain positions, right. We wanted to upgrade around Josh Allen. We made an effort at the wide receiver position, John Brown, Cole Beasley. We wanted a number one wide receiver. We made an effort. Antonio Brown, Stephon Diggs. We wanted a a better offensive line. We made an effort, right? Can we say that about the cornerback position? I don't, I, I, I'm not sure if that, that same type of effort 
was put into the cornerback position like it was to other positions. And if 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 they value certain things more than others, fine. We just hope that uh, Levi Wallace can can be the guy that can be a number two cornerback for the Buffalo Bills and us win a Super Bowl. Because like the comment said, right, Levi Wallace would be a backup on a lot of other teams. And that, that that's kind of funny because what are the chances that that team would be better than the Bills? <laughs> the Buffalo right. Bills would probably be, be would probably be the better overall team, but Levi Wallace would be the backup. That that's, it's kind of funny. So, I mean, to me, the way and we'll get back into these corners, but the way the Bills drafted, to me, yes, Brandon Bean said, "I want to affect the quarterback." We all we all saw it. We've all talked about it. We've all preached his end of season press conference. He wants to affect the quarterback, and then watches what Tampa does to Patrick Mahomes. So are we banking this year on pass rush or coverage? What are we banking on this year? Cause we had no pass rush last year. Is that why maybe the defense regressed from 2019? Cause we had no pass rush last year. So by drafting two defensive ends or defensive linemen, wherever you're, they're going to stick Rousseau. Are they banking on the fact that our coverage will be okay with Levi Wallace or Dane Jackson, whoever at, at CB2, because we're going to affect the quarterback in his routines, in his ch- in his reads, and things like that, his timing. That That's the hope, right? The hope is that the pass rush could affect the timing of quarterbacks. Therefore, our cornerbacks would look a lot better because these quarterbacks have less time to throw the ball because our pass rush is getting there. So the hope is Carlos Basham and Gregory Rousseau and F.A. Obata and uh, a stronger uh, Harrison Phillips. We're hoping that these guys can can generate a pass rush. And uh, that's that's basically what we're banking on. And I hope we're right. All right, comment section is blowing up. If you guys haven't smashed the like button, wherever you're watching this, Facebook, YouTube, or Twitter, please smash the like button. If you're watching on Facebook, please kindly share this. If you're watching on YouTube, hit that subscribe button, smash the bell. That way you get notified when we're live. And if you're watching it on Twitter, please retweet this, like it, comment, all that good stuff. All right, comment section starting to blow up a little bit, uh, which is always good. YouTube guys are, are starting to file in. All right, so... Dane Jackson, if you guys know me or you follow me or anything, you know my opinions, I I love Dane Jackson. Everybody wants to talk to me about how there's no sample size. He played 100 snaps last year. How can you say he's going to be better than Levi Wallace? Watch, Watch some of the plays that he made in the backfield last year. There's There's certain games that he made plays where he is a pure tackler. And I can't say that about Levi Wallace. I can't say that he that Levi Wallace has the same instincts that Dane Jackson does. Now I understand he's a seventh round pick. They didn't go high in either of the last two drafts to try to replace Wallace. And he was probably a guy that they had on their board they didn't think was going to be there, and they took him in the seventh. So I, I just I feel like watching even the limited snaps that he played last year, I feel like there's more there and I want to see more of it. And I'm so glad that we have a preseason because I, I, I feel like Dane Jackson's going to beat out Levi Wallace. That's my honest opinion. What's your thoughts on Dane Jackson? Uh, I love Dane Jackson. 
Dane Jackson is another guy that uh, is is uh, aggressive, uh, has a has a lot of tenacity. Uh, he's physical. He's not afraid to get in there and mix it up and make the tackle and and uh, get in there and stick his nose in the run game. Uh, I really like Dane Jackson's mental makeup. Dane Jackson's mental makeup is the reason why he's in the position he's in today, uh, having the opportunity to be uh, the number two cornerback for the Buffalo Bills. Uh, I really like him. Uh, his athletic ability is what I'm concerned about. You know, uh, when you're playing and you have a small sample size, you, you, you are effective in that sample size. That's great. But we know as time goes on, there's going to be film on you. So we're going to see how Dane Jackson could adjust to the adjustments. And we're going to see how Dane Jackson can cover the, the speedier, more shiftier wide receivers in this NFL. So those are the things I want to see. But I love his mental makeup. I, I never thought I would say I can't wait for preseason. I want to see guys like Dane Jackson, Boogie Basham, Gregory Rousseau. I want to see these guys go up against the ones from other teams so we can see what these guys have because that's how you're going to get a true test. You're not not in you know week three in the fourth quarter. We're not going to tell what you have then. So mm-hmm. I mean, I think it's going to be it's going to be interesting. It's going to be really interesting. All right, so. Those are the main three guys I want to talk about. We're going to talk about all the all the corners on the roster. Um, and can I say something you, right quick, Dave? Yeah, of I'm course. Sorry. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. No, man. no. The and again, I love Dane Jackson, and I and you know I like the competition, but the lack of athletic ability in the secondary concerns me. <laughs> I agree. The lack of athletic ability, the lack of speed. Now it's okay when you have a guy uh, that's undrafted and he he runs a four six. It's okay to have one guy that runs a four six, but we have multiple guys that's playing integral roles that that lack that athletic ability, and it matters in this NFL. I know we just want good football players, good football players, but when you have an abundance of players that lack athletic ability, that can be a problem, and that's my concern. So I like that because that can kind of – we'll talk about safeties here in a minute, but that that brings up something that, that pops something into my head. How much do you think our secondary, because of the consistency like we spoke on at the beginning of the show, of Poyer and Hyde masks some of the deficiencies that our secondary has overall? Overall, because we, we can agree that Poyer and Hyde, I, I think, together are are, are are well-oiled machine. They always know where they're supposed to be. They always can feed off each other, and they can always make a play. Hyde has that certain like field general like mentality where he will put guys in position to be successful, doesn't let anything go over the top, where Poyer's the more aggressive blitz, uh, coming in the run game, stack the box. He, he's that guy. He's the guy who you can have him blitz and he'll get home. Um, how much of that, the back half of the, the the secondary masks what we don't have underneath as far as our corners? What do you think? I'm not saying our corners are, are bad by any stretch of the imagination. Right, I'm just saying right. we've seen times underneath where corners are not in the right spot. They're playing 10 yards off their guys. They're not aggressive, things like that. What what What's your thoughts? Do you think McDermott relies too much on Poyer and Hyde to kind of be that safety, no pun intended, safety blanket? 
you know what? Uh, Poyer and Hyde are incredible players. They're incredible safeties. They're always on the field. Uh, they're always communicating, right? So it's good to have uh, that type of tandem uh, in your secondary, in your backfield. But the reason why, in my opinion, uh, they work so well together and uh, in retrospect, the defense works well when they're both playing, they're both hitting their stride. In my opinion, they're the same damn player. My, Micah Hyde and Jordan Poyer, they can switch positions and do the same damn thing. The versatility between both players, uh, Jordan Poyer and Micah Hyde, is something that uh, we feast off of as a Buffalo Bills defense. Uh, Micah Hyde can come in the box just like Jordan Poyer. Micah Hyde can play, can play some slot, can play the safety, can play deep thirds. It's nothing uh, Jordan Poyer and Micah Hyde can't do. They're interchangeable players, and because of that, that make our defense work. I got you. I got you. All right. So let's talk about Teron Johnson. How do you feel about Teron Johnson? Because we, we, we were on him last year in the beginning of the year. I think we were all, all Bill's mafia was like, what is going on with Teron Johnson? Like he was turning the corner in 2019. He's getting picked on in 2020. Then he makes a couple really big plays. Um, the two pick sixes, the one against the Steelers and then the one in the playoff game against the Ravens. And now everybody's in love with him. This guy's going to get paid pretty pretty soon. This is the last year of his contract. So, what's your what's your thoughts on on Taron Johnson as, as a slot corner? You think that he's going to be at the slot corner long term, or what? What's your thoughts overall on Taron Johnson? We have to see that consistency from Taron Johnson. This is the year where we want to see him put of entire body of above average to great work as a slot cornerback. His first year, he did a hell of a job. He's playing through injury with that shoulder, right? Uh, the next year, he did a solid job. This past year, he struggled a little bit. And it seems like after that Seattle game, it seemed like the Seattle game was a was a, a, a light bulb for a lot of players. It seemed like after that game, Teron Johnson played like uh, a, a, a pro bowl uh, type slot cornerback. So I really like uh, Teron Johnson. In my opinion, he makes the second most impact plays in that secondary behind Tredavious White. Uh, impactful plays. We, we, want a, we want a guy to make plays. We want a guy to make a play when, when a play is needed, when, a, when, when the defense needs a change in momentum the most. Who usually makes that play? If it's not Tredavious White, it's, it's Teron Johnson. He showed it against the Baltimore Ravens, 99 yards to the house in the, in the divisional round game in Buffalo. Big stage, everybody's watching. And he also took a pick six to the house against the Pittsburgh Steelers. Prime time again, big stage, everybody's watching. So he's not uh, the greatest and, more, and most consistent at all time. We hope he could put that together this year. But he does have a knack for making impact plays. I love Teron Johnson. I think he gets paid. I think the I'm not talking huge, you know, CB1 contract, but I think he's getting paid, and I think the Bills are going to pay him, to be honest with you, because they like to keep their own, right? Draft, develop, resign. They drafted him, they developed him, and I think that they're going to resign him. So that's that's just my opinion on that. All right, what's your thoughts on on Wild Goose, Rashad Wild Goose? He has he has the ability, he has the intangibles. Uh, I haven't seen enough play. From Rashad Wild Goose, I try to look him up. They uh, he, he, they they show highlights, but it's sporadic. 
Uh, he missed the 2020 season. But overall, I think he he has like the athletic build of a Tredavious White, right? He's about 5'10", 5'11", almost 190 pounds. Uh, he has the size that uh, and the look to play outside. When I see the scouting reports, it looks as if he's a slot cornerback. So if he is a slot, we'll see if he provides any competition inside to a Teron Johnson. Uh, the, it remains to be seen about Wild Goose. Um, he's physical. I can tell you that. I, I really think that he's going to make his impact on this roster. And we'll talk. I wanted to talk about him a little bit later on more in depth, but I think he makes an impact on the roster um, on special teams because I think he's a guy that's going to run down the field. and He's going to smack somebody in the mouth. If you watch him in college, that's what he was. He was very physical. And I think that's something. And that's why I put them back to back. I put him right after Taron Johnson because wild goose can play slot. So, mm-hmm. That's that's why I wanted to talk about those guys because I think it's going to be interesting. I mean, so many camp competitions. I'm not saying he's going to come in and take, you know, Taron Johnson's position because I don't think that's going to happen. But I think he's going to make a name for him on special teams, which makes other guys on the roster expendable. Guys like like Taiwan Jones and things like that. So, um, and then we have some undrafted guys, and then guys that are kind of hangovers from last year's practice squad. Um, Nick McLeod, Cam Lewis, Elijah Griffin, as we all know, that's Warren G's uh, son. So. It's going to be interesting. I think cornerbacks, I, I think you had the show on Tuesday about CB2. I think it's something everybody in Bill's Mafia has been talking about since probably before last season about how are we going to upgrade this position. Then we went through the draft. We didn't take anybody till we took Wild Goose late in the late rounds. So this is going to be interesting. It's going to be really interesting. That camp battle between, you know, Levi and Dane, that's going to be something to watch, and that's going to be fun. Um, I shared a picture of Dane lined up across from Diggs from camp from the other day, and how else are you going to learn? Put him up against Diggs, right? One of the best route runners, if not the best route runners in the NFL. And we saw, we spoke on it before. We saw how Tredavious White responded last year, talking about how, how, well, how are you so good? Like, how, how can you run these routes? Your footwork is crazy. So now, now- after Levi Wallace and Dane Jackson, it gets a little sketchy at the cornerback position. I agree. Right? Like who like who's the next man? Like I don't I don't I don't see the next man. I don't see the guy that right. is is the the guy that can come in and, and step up without a drop off. God forbid something happens to these two. But I'm intrigued with one or, name in or one name in particular. Or Trey. Or Trey. So this We've is been why very fortunate in the secondary yes. over the last four years. Yes. Yes. So, I mean, I don't want to knock on wood. I don't want to jinx that stuff, but I mean, we're one, we're one play away from having Dane Jackson and Levi Wallace be CB one, CB two. And this is why so, a, a player like Cam Lewis becomes intriguing as well. It's just, I, I got to think that there's going to be more and we're going to talk about some, some free agents here in, in a little bit later on, but, you got to think that there has to be somebody else brought in um, unless Brandon Bean's just kind of waiting, <coughs> excuse me, mm-hmm. for the dust to settle on mini camps and see if there's more cap casualties and things like that. Because Elijah Griffin undrafted. Um, Cam Lewis was a practice squad guy last year. Nick McLeod undrafted. So, like, we don't have a ton of proven guys that can step in. Now, I know a lot of rosters are built the same way because you can't carry, you know, a dozen CBs on your roster. So 
it's interesting. I do, I do think that cornerback is one of the lightest positions as far as depth on the entire roster. Um, and I think it's been that way for a while. I think it's been that way, and we've been very – we haven't had to worry too much about depth because, you know, we've been fairly healthy. Healthy. Mm-hmm. I mean, Josh Norman went down. We still had Levi Wallace. Levi Wallace. You know, EJ Gaines opted out. We still had Levi Wallace. Mm-hmm. You know, things things like that happen. Vontae Davis retires. We still have Levi Wallace. Like, mm-hmm. so, you know, we'll see. We'll see. All right. I'm going to hit the comment section. Uh, looks like there's – about 33 of you guys in here on YouTube, and there's a bunch more here on Facebook. So I appreciate you guys checking in with us. Smash the like button, share this, subscribe, do all that good stuff. That way we get more and more interaction in the comment section. I'm about to lose my voice, so I'm going to try to power through this the best I can. Um, let's move on to safeties because this one, it's not going to be as big, I don't think, of, of, of you and me buttonheads, but I think that it's going to be pretty important. So first, first man up. Micah Hyde. So I feel like he's very, very underappreciated as far as he's been on the team since 2017. He's going into his fifth year with the Bills. I feel like when the Bills signed him as a free agent coming off of playing with the Packers, I think that a lot of people didn't didn't think that he would have the impact that he's had. Um, I think he's Sean McDermott's go-to guy in his secondary, to be honest with you. I think he's like a second coach out there. You could even watch him put guys up, you know, in the middle linebackers in place for plays. What's what's your thoughts on Micah Hyde? Um, the rankings came out from a whole bunch of different media outlets, and Poyer and Hyde were like between ten and fifteen, both of them. One was fifteen, one was fourteen, or it was it was pretty universal the way that they were ranked. But put them together, and you have probably one of the best duos in the league. But tell me, what what does Micah Hyde mean to you? Um, for the secondary and the defense overall. He is that he is that second coach, right? A lot of a lot of us would think about Tremaine Edmonds in terms of the quarterback of the defense. And as the middle middle linebacker, technically he is, but the real coach in that defense, the real coach in that secondary is Micah Hyde. He's the one that's going to make sure everybody's lined up correctly. He's the one that's going to notice uh, certain situations pre-snap and get everybody lined up where they need to be. He's the one that's going to play the middle of the field or he's going to match up against specific players. He is the chess piece for the Buffalo Bills uh, defense. We're talking about uh, two Swiss Army knives uh, with our with our safety tandems, and Micah Hyde is is uh, a big Swiss Army knife to have for our defense, and uh, he's a vital vital part to uh, the overall team success. I agree with you, and I I honestly think that he's going to retire as a member of the Bills. I don't I don't think he'll leave. I know we extended him. I just I feel like that's McDermott's guy. Um, and he's he's team first. He's he's a great locker room guy. He seems like he's an amazing teammate. And I just I I love the camaraderie between him and Poyer. They're like brothers. And it's it's insane that guys that come from different you know walks of life and from different teams and, and all of a sudden you put these two guys together. It's like a it was like a match made in heaven. So mm-hmm. all right, let me get to let me get to Mr. Poyer and then we could talk about him. So as far as in the ranks of safeties, because when these guys both first came in the league, 
or both first came to the Bills in 2017. They both were putting up these insane interception numbers, all this stuff, creating turnovers, fumbles, stripping the ball. One play for me summarizes how I feel about Jordan Poyer and how I think he's intelligent, athletic, super underrated. Is the is the play against the Colts at the end of the game when he stripped the ball when Matt Milano was holding up? I forget which the, which wide receiver it was from the Colts, and he waited till he stood up and he stripped the ball, even though the refs said he was down by contact or whatever. That to me is is a sign of he his intelligence, knowing that you're running full speed to a guy, but you're going to wait to get to him to strip the ball because you know that that you can do that first off and second of all you know the rules and then if he stands up you can strip the ball from him. So overall give me your overall thoughts on Jordan Poyer um and what you th- what you think about him and where he fits in on this defense. You're muted, eh, Rich? Excuse me. I absolutely love Jordan Poyer. Um what he brings to the Buffalo Bills defense again. When we're talking about Micah Hyde and Jordan Poyer, these guys are a part of the of the organizational change, right? They this is the first part of McDermott's piece pieces that he brought in when he was named the head coach. He brought in Micah Hyde and he brought in Jordan Poyer. So Poyer is another guy that uh, another another late round pick, right? Another guy that. Uh, feel that he has a lot to prove, just like Micah Hyde. They, their stories mirror each other. The Green Bay Packers gave up on Micah Hyde. The Cleveland Browns, they let go Jordan Poyer after he, lacerating his kidney. Uh, they didn't think he was the guy. Uh, Sean McDermott capitalized on on their misfortunes in prior organizations. And Jordan Poyer is an unbelievable get for the Buffalo Bills. And if we do end up winning a Super Bowl, we have to think about uh, a wall of fame and probably they could share one, half Jordan Poyer and, and, and half <laughs> Micah Hyde because they are part of the the foundation, uh, the the uh, the structural change of the foundation towards success ever since my, uh, Sean McDermott came to the Buffalo Bills. I agree with you 100%. It's just I don't know if I've seen in a while the – just how these guys just are so in tune. And I think that's what everybody wants to see from Tremaine Edmonds and Matt Milano, just the, the field awareness of where each other is and where they should be. And just like having just that like telepathic sense to know what you're supposed to do or what your guy's going to do on each play. It's just insane. It is the bills don't give up big plays over the top. They just don't. I don't want to talk about the Hail Mary. That was, I mean, that's a one-off, right? That never happens. But Mm-mm. they just don't give up these big plays. They just don't. And that's they're they're the, the main reason for that. All right. So I'm gonna put some guys up here and I want you to give me your initial reactions to them. All right. Saran Neal, where does he fit in this year? You know what? It, it's tough to say. It's tough to say. He uh, is he a safety? Is he a slot corner? He's listed as a safety. So, uh, is is does he get a chance to play that big nickel role? We didn't have any additions to that secondary. What are we going to do defensively, schematically, to to adjust to 
this t- these tight ends we struggled against last year. He's going to be a part of that equation for the big nickel. Uh, I just don't know what the hell uh, role Siron Neal is trying to fulfill on this defense, but I believe right now I have to look at him as one of the bigger special team contributors and one of the best special teams players we do have outside of uh, Tyler Medikevich, right? So that's that's his main role right now, and uh, that's what I think of Siron Neal. DeMar Hamlin. DeMar Hamlin is just, he's, he's a Pittsburgh guy, you know, uh, Pittsburgh, uh, Pittsburgh Panther. I love the, I love the mental makeup from the Pittsburgh Panthers. Dane Jackson went to Pittsburgh. Aaron Donald, uh, went to Pittsburgh. A lot of, uh, uh, other players went to from Pittsburgh as well that have that dog alpha, tenacious mentality so i like uh demar hamlin because i think he's going to bring that to the buffalo bills uh overall he's going to help out special teams and we all know that the buffalo bills organization we just love drafting safeties from jaquan johnson and we we just love drafting safeties and hamlin is a part of that group um i like the fact that he has experience playing with dane jackson um, I also like the fact that I, 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 I think that he's watching him play. I think we are definitely going to lose out on not re-signing Dean Marlowe. Um, he played a ton of snaps last year. A lot of people don't realize he played a ton of snaps. And I feel like DeMar Hamlin's going to be the Dean Marlowe of the offense or the defense this season. I really do. I, I, I think that I think that he can play and I think that he can play and contribute right away. So I'm going to put this next one up, and don't don't think I got the wrong picture and the wrong person on this one, okay? Mm-hmm. Matt Milano. Yeah, Matt Milano. I, I know we're talking about DBs. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know where I'm uh, going with this? Where are where, where you going with this, bro? Where where are you going with this? Is, is, he, is he the piece? Big is nickel. he the chess piece? Big nickel. The chess piece. He can... Can we do with him what other teams have done with their linebackers? What the Browns are going to do with Jake with JKO? Uh, are, can we do that with him or JOK? I'm sorry. Can he be big I, nickel? And I, just I, we look, look, we got who do we just sign from that played for Houston last year as a linebacker? Who do we just sign? Uh, from Houston last year, linebacker Terrell Adams. Right. Okay. How did AJ Klein play last year? Pretty good towards the second half of the season, right? In certain packages and things like that. Can we let Matt Milano use his athleticism and do other things? He's our best coverage linebacker, right? He's top five in the NFL, according to PFF, in coverage. Now, did we think he was good enough against Travis Kelsey? No, but Travis Kelsey's a freaking unicorn, and that's that's the story for another day. He's our best cover linebacker. Use him as a big nickel. Why not? I'm not sure. <laughs> I'm not sure because this this is what I'm thinking. I don't think Matt Milano is athletic like that. I think Matt Milano is really? more – I think he's more instinctive than athletic. I believe he can definitely cover certain guys, but you, you spoke about Travis, Travis Kelsey and Travis Kelsey being a unicorn. You're absolutely right, but uh, we're trying to go to the Super Bowl, and to get to the Super Bowl, you're going to be playing great teams. You have to play great teams. You have to play great teams, and they're going to have great players you're going to have to defend because they're a great team also. Can you defend them? 
can are you able to stay with the Travis Kelseys or the uh the Darren Wallers or the John o. Smiths? Can you can you consistently compete? Because we know that he is a great coverage linebacker, but uh we also seen him struggle at some points, and I believe he can play the big nickel role, but it all depends on the matchup. I mean, if you're gonna play the New England Patriots, who just signed the top two free agent tight ends, and they're going to run two tight end sets. And you just signed Terrell Davis, who I think he, Adams. I don't know, mm-hmm. or yeah, Terrell Adams. He was top three in the league in tackles last year. He's aggressive too. Mm-hmm. Why not let Matt Milano worry about one of those tight ends and you let Adams fill in for Matt Milano's position? Well, I, something has to be done schematically. There's going to have to be a change, right? Because there's not too much player change. It wasn't too much player movement. Right. So what is Leslie Frazier going to do to offset the weaknesses and struggles the Buffalo Bills defense had last year? And that may be an excellent point you're, you're, you're coming to. I, I think Adams needs to be on the field. I honestly think that Adams needs to be on the field. You can't just brush off what he did last year playing on that terrible Texans defense. I think he's got to get on the field. I think you have to find a way to get him on the field. Yes, I know you just gave Matt Milano $44 million, and you have Tremaine Edmonds, who you want to be the guy at middle linebacker. But you got to find a way to get him on the field. Um, I, I just feel like there's there's a way you can use Milano in covered situations that would benefit this defense. And, and- I, I don't think that the defense really regressed last year. I feel like there was a whole bunch of underlining circumstances that – held a lot of defenses back last year. The lack of the training camps, the lack of, you know, being able to, you know, get your hands on these guys. Defensive line struggled. The the NFL saw more points in 2020 than any other season. There's reasons for that. You know, the the Bills didn't have OTAs. The Bills didn't have training camp. They had no preseason. Leslie Frazier and Sean McDermott didn't weren't able to get these guys, the new guys that they brought in together and get their hands on them and mold them into what they want with the rotation and this and that and and Sean McDermott's defensive scheme. I I think you're going to see a lot better production from everybody on this defense this year. I know we're talking about DBs, but I feel like you're going to see a lot more production up front. The linebackers, I think that Edmonds is going to have one hell of a season, and I think the DBs and Trey are going to get back on track. And and Spin makes a point about how many line, um, linebackers in the league can cover Kelsey, and and he's a hundred percent accurate. How many people? Period. Doesn't right. doesn't matter the position in the league can cover Kelsey. But if right. we're if, if I I would say this to that to that comment, if we have players of high regard on our defense, if we have players that we think are good to above average players on our defense and they're getting paid as such, we expect uh, some type of resistance at times. You know, uh, Travis Kelsey's going to make plays. He's going to make plays, but resistance is necessary. And I think there are players in the NFL that do a better job than we do as far as showing more resistance and, and letting a guy like Travis Kelsey, Kelsey gets off like he does. And I think that you absolutely can look at Matt Milano and you, and you can say to him, I need you to shut down Johnu Smith. And I think that's doable. I need you to shut down Hunter Henry. And I think that's doable. You know what I'm saying? Like, I, I feel like, yes, Travis Kelsey, and George Kittle are one-offs. I, I understand that there's there's not many guys in the league like that, but I don't want the Miami freaking Dolphins 
coming in here and tearing us up over the middle with Gasecki again. Like that's got us that like you have to have that conversation with Leslie Frazier, Matt yes, Milano, Tremaine Edmonds. You have mm-hmm. to have those conversations. Like if okay, if you're if you're gonna be out physical, scheme the shit out of it like they did to the Ravens. Okay. They schemed the Ravens completely out of their, their play style. They couldn't run the ball, so they made Lamar pass. And guess what? He couldn't pass either. So that's what, from week to week, this personnel is built with this depth that they need to scheme for that week. If it's if you're going up against the Chiefs, fine. Kelsey's probably going to get his targets. He's going to get his receptions. He's going to get his yards. That's fine. But you have to figure out a way. If you're giving it to Kelsey, nobody else better be getting shit, period. Like. And- and that's a, and that's a hundred a hundred and ten percent agree there, right? Both Kelsey and Hill can't be going off. If right. they're both going off, that's a schematical issue, in my opinion. Yeah. As great as Steph Curry is, there are times when you can run two players at him, and he has no choice but to get rid of that get rid of that basketball. We have right. to do the same thing schematically. If Travis Kelsey is going off. Tyreek Hill cannot go off. That's a schematical issue, and we hope Leslie Frazier now can be the coach that can that can live up to the billing of being promoted to an assistant head coach because when you're playing Super Bowl contending teams, you're playing guru coaches as the opposition. You're playing a Sean McVay. You're playing against an Andy Reid. You're playing against these top-notch offensive minds, and uh, he has to come out on top. Uh, for our defense to be successful. I agree 100%. And people can't sit here and say it can't be done. And I'm not saying that you have to cover and shut down Travis Kelsey. There's other ways to shut down teams opposing offenses. And that's what I talked about earlier when I said it looks like they're banking a hell of a lot on getting after the quarterback and less, less on coverage. Because you look at what Tampa did. It wasn't about coverage. Yes, they were physical in their secondary, but Patrick Mahomes had no time to throw the ball on every single snap. I don't know what was the stat. He he ran 500 yards behind the line of scrimmage, and I'm being serious. I think he ran 500 yards behind the line of scrimmage to escape the pass rush, and that's, that's the type of things looking at this draft, looking at what they've done in free agency, the players that they kept on the roster. I just feel like they're 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 hedging their bets on the fact that we're going to be able to affect the quarterback and we're going to be good enough in the secondary. So that's my take on that. All right. So I want to talk about some free agents because I know everybody's got an opinion on this guy right here. Everybody in Bill's mafia has an opinion on Steven Nelson. Is, is this an upgrade at CB two? It's an upgrade for the cornerback room, period. Right? Okay. He he adds, in my opinion, he adds depth. He adds more versatility. And he adds an, a, a possible upgrade at cornerback, too. We're talking about now uh, a real competition. Not, that, not to disrespect Dane Jackson and whoever else came before, but Steven Nelson is a player that is – Highly regarded. Steven Nelson is a player that is a is a young player playing in the prime of his career at a high and is looked at at a higher regard than a Dane Jackson 
or Levi Wallace right now. So bringing him in, I believe, is an immediate upgrade, uh, not only possibly for CB2, but for the cornerback room uh, in this totality. It drops everybody down and makes more makes us more deeper. I think it will be an excellent move. Yeah, and you nailed it. And I've been on the Steven Nelson train for, shit, a month now, two months now. Everybody, I think, has been on this. Like, why hasn't it happened? It's got to be money. I think that's the only reason that this hasn't happened is for the money. Now, everybody wants to talk about restructuring digs last week to free up cap space. But I don't know if that was for anything. I don't know if that was to just have like an oh shit fund in case something in training camp happens, in case we're super competitive at the trade deadline um, and the Bills need just that one more thing. Um, or, you know, guys randomly have been getting cut the last couple years. You look at, like you spoke on about Le'Veon Bell getting cut. That that Whoever thought that was going to happen. So mm-hmm. there may be guys that are out there, and the Bills were in on that, on that too. So, you know, I... I Brandon Bean's hard to figure out when he does stuff like this because they have the money to go and get, you know, a veteran, whichever, you know, fill in the blank position like a Zach Ertz or a Steven Nelson or whoever, but it's not happening. Like I understand, you know, contracts and agents and things have to be worked out and guaranteed money and and stuff like that. But there's a reason why these guys that are free agents are still free agents. Teams don't have money. These guys want money. I mean, that's the only thing I can think of because why would you not want to go to a team that was in the AFC championship game last year on a team-friendly deal, earn your next contract, and move on? Am I right? 100%. So, all right, this guy here, um, I think Bill's Mafia is torn on this guy. I think they're kind of 50-50. A lot of people are – Hell no, he's too old, he's slow, he couldn't cover the Chiefs when they played in the Super Bowl. Mm-hmm. And then there's people that are like, yes, he's a veteran, bring him in, it makes sense if it's a team-friendly deal. So what's your thoughts on Richard Sherman? Just like Steven Nelson, he would be uh, he would upgrade the entire cornerback room. Uh, I, I love his intellect. I think his intellect can be a part of something that can help the Bills. It could help young players like Dane Jackson and Levi Wallace. I believe uh, the intellect of Richard Sherman can help even players like Tredavious White and Jordan Poyd and Micah Hyde. Uh, and, uh, Micah Hyde. His intellect is, is amongst the highest in the game, and I don't think he is uh, worse than Vontae Davis. I don't think he's no worse than uh, Josh Norman. So why not bring this guy in? I'm all for it. This is a good comment from Jason. Maybe free agents didn't want to, don't want to have to attend or well voluntary OTAs and mandatory minicamps. That's a good comment too. But on the other hand, I, I would think that, I mean, if they're veterans, they're veterans, right? They've been through this this dog and pony show that is mandatory minicamps. You know, look at what's happening with Aaron Rodgers, right? He doesn't want to go. And to me, I don't care. I personally don't care if Aaron Rodgers shows up. If I was a Packers fan, he's done this how many times? How many years has he done this? Like, what is he going to do this year that he didn't do last year, the year before? He's still in plain shape. He's good. So that's a great comment. Um, my theory on Richard Sherman, and I, I caught a lot of shit for pounding the table for Richard Sherman months ago, before way before free agency even started, that that you you bring this guy in to be your second Micah Hyde on the defense. 
right? Micah Hyde, I consider to be extremely intelligent. You know, he can he can help the younger players. He's almost like having a second coach on the field. Um, Richard Sherman is a Stanford graduate, extremely intelligent. He has experience winning Super Bowls. Mm-hmm. He's been in other Super Bowls that he didn't win. Mm-hmm. Um, so he can teach these guys a lot of stuff that's not just him being on the field and being productive. Because I'm not sure if we're going to get Richard Sherman, who's going to have a bunch of picks and lockdown corner. We're probably not going to get that Richard Sherman, but we are going to get a good addition to the cornerback room. And that's my opinion. That's why I think it makes sense. And like you said, he's not going to do any worse than Philip Gaines or EJ Gaines or Josh Norman, Vontae Davis, any of these other guys that they've run through here. If it's a team friendly deal, I think you make it happen. That's that's my opinion. Definitely. Richard Sherman's IQ can help out Leslie Frazier. He can exactly. give he could give Leslie Frazier a different perspective on on what he sees going on in 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 particular games. So, I would love Richard Sherman. I agree a thousand percent. All right, so we're hitting towards the end of the show. Mm-hmm. I don't know if a rich because you were in such a rush. If you got your would you rather questions together, but. All right. You want to go first or you want me to go first? I think you 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 should go first. <laughs> <laughs> All right. <clears throat> if you could only keep one, are you keeping Brian move the ball or Leslie Frazier? You can only have one. One guy's getting a head coach job somewhere. Brian moved the ball. <laughs> this that, that was easy. That, that was that was one of the easier would you rather's. <laughs> Brian moved the ball. I I was hoping, you know, Leslie Frazier got the job in Houston. I believe he Ooh. deserved it. I believe he deserved it uh, over David Cully. Uh, he's a he's a leader of men, and I think that was his best opportunity. So wait, I'm gonna um, I'm gonna steal your thing from Tuesday. What? 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 Yeah. Yeah. Love it. Love it. All right, man. You're up. What you got? Would you rather Steven Nelson or Richard Sherman? Richard Sherman. Richard Sherman. Why? Interesting. All the reasons why I just expressed to you. I think that he brings so much Mm. to this, not just the players, but I think he brings it to the coaching staff. I think you still get production. I don't know why people are are constantly on the fact that he sucks and he can't cover anymore. And have you played in Sean McDermott's scheme? This He would benefit from playing in Sean McDermott's system. I really believe that. He's not going to be asked to do as much as he was in Seattle and San Francisco. I want him in that CB room. I want him in the room breaking down all the shit that maybe even still Tredavious White doesn't see. Mm-hmm. Rookie, you know, Rashad Wild Goose set him up. Dane Jackson, who guy who played 100 snaps last year, Levi Wallace. And then there's no excuses for these guys. Maybe, maybe he comes in and he gives us, you know, a little bit of production. But these other guys next year can feed off of what he instilled in them and keep it moving. That's so, right. As long as the money makes sense. As long as the money's got to make sense for either one of those guys. 
everything that you spoke about is great, but it had nothing to do with actual production on the football field. So quick follow-up question. You yeah. think Richard Sherman, you think Richard Sherman could produce more production on the football field than Steven Nelson? The guy past his prime can produce more than the guy uh, in his prime on the football field, or you're just getting him for the experience and you don't give a shit what he does on the football field produ- production wise. <laughs> no, of course I give a shit about what each one of the guys does on the field. I just think more you're getting more value. I think from Richard Sherman in the long run, because I feel like okay. Steven Nelson would come in here. Yes. He would immediately improve that room in the CB two position. I absolutely think that he's a young guy. He's, he's going to be playing for that next contract. But with Richard Sherman, you're going to get the guy who's he knows he's probably going to tap out soon, but he's going to give everything that he has up here to all those guys in that room, Leslie Frazier, Sean McDermott. And, and, and I just think that that is so valuable and not spoken about enough. Do we want him to get interceptions? Yes. Do I want him to have pass defense in tackles for loss and all that stuff? Yeah, but I don't think either of these two guys is locking anybody down. I don't. I don't think either of these two are lockdown corners, but I don't think Dane Jackson and Levi Wallace are either. So, I mean, there's more to it. To me, there's always like like onions to everything. Like everything has to have layers. Like I want to, I, I want Richard Sherman because I want all the depth and knowledge that he gives me. And I still think he can compete. I still think that the guy can come in and, and play at a high level. You know, maybe the maybe the the stats aren't there, the flashy stats, but I think. I don't know how many, how, like, look at the stats for our CB twos for the last four years. They haven't been flashy. So I don't know. I, that's, that's, that's just my take. That's just, that's just how I feel about it. Gotcha. Like it. All right. Next up. Would you rather <clears throat> trade for Zach Ertz or sign Steven Nelson? That is that is a good one. Huh? I would rather sign Steven Nelson. Yeah. I don't think Zach Ertz moves the needle that much for me. Not for me, at least. I believe Dawson Knox will continue to progress. And I actually like Jacob Hollister. I like Jacob Hollister. I think he showed sure hands, soft hands, especially against us last year. I believe he showed he can run Chris routes and he can be quick off the ball. So because of him, I'm good off Zach Ertz. Uh, Steven Nelson is a guy that is more needed to the Buffalo Bills defense. We talked about Levi Wallace is, is solid, but he's been a liability against the Cleveland Browns. He was a liability against Preston Williams and the Miami Dolphins at times. So uh, he would upgrade our defense, and that would be more necessary. Steven Nelson. Gotcha. I think everybody knows where I stand on Zach Ertz. So if you guys <laughs> don't know me, I I made the hashtag free Zach Ertz. So um, all right, last one, and then we're going to get out of here. We're going to wrap it up. Mm-hmm. What you got? Would you rather Micah Hyde or Jordan Poyer? If you can only keep one, who would you? Micah Hyde. Micah Hyde. You said that too quick. (laughs) You said that too quick. I think I think this kind of disrespectful to Jordan Poyer. How quick you said that, Micah? I I love I love Jordan Poyer. I freaking love I love both those guys. 
again, I got to talk about what Micah Hyde brings to just non-production stuff brings to the Bills defense as far as watch. Okay. And this is going to sound corny and it's going to sound like just whatever, like I'm trying to avoid the question, but if you watch all 22 film, I don't know if anybody watches all 22 film they have, you can watch pre-snap. Um, you can watch any, any, any play pre-snap, right. And watch Poyer and watch Hyde. There's a huge difference. Hyde will put Poyer where he needs to be. Hyde will put Milano. Hyde will put Edmonds. He 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 audibles. He does he does a whole bunch of shit that I don't. I'm not saying I don't think Poyer can do, but I think that Hyde, with his experience in Green Bay, and you know they used him all over the place, um, and I think his rapport with Sean McDermott is on a different level than the rapport of Jordan Poyer and Sean McDermott. So that's that's my that's my opinion. I'm not saying one's better than the other. I because I you know I I fight I I'll fight to the death for for Hyde and Poyer like the SWAT team. I'll fight to I'll fight to the of death course. for those guys because of course they're they're just so underrated because they play in Buffalo and nobody pays attention to the Bills market. So I just I don't know. I think I think oh. I I'd, I'd go Hyde. I'd go Hyde. What about you? Boy, man, that's a tough one, man. I, I, in my opinion, I think Jordan Poyer out had a better season than Hyde last year. What? <laughs> if I'm going off recent memory, you said what? Jordan Poyer. What? What? Yeah, I, I think I'll go quick. I, I love so both. I love both. Just, so, just based off of last season, you know, uh, I yeah. Based off, I mean, if, based, if off, you're looking, based off of last season. If does, you're looking now, statistically, yeah, he had a better season because he's up in the box more and he gets more tackles in the run game. But if you're looking overall, I don't know. Watch watch all 22. That's all. I mean, it, it's like I said, it always sounds like such a like shit answer. But like the stuff he does pre-snap, you can tell that McDermott is in his ear like all the time. And I don't know if that. I don't know if that's a confidence thing with, with Hyde, if it's a trust thing with Hyde. I'm not saying, like I said, I, I don't. I need to see Poyer do that. I need to see Poyer walk up to Tremaine Edmonds and fucking move him to where he's supposed to be. You know what I'm saying? Like I, I want, I want to see that. Pardon my French, by the way. That that one slipped out. But why? Are right, you got anything part, else? Huh? Why do Why do people say part of my French when it's English? I never got that. <laughs> But no, I don't. I, I don't have anything else, man. I I, I came late. I apologize, but uh, it was it was a, still a, a pretty a pretty fun show, man. I had a great time. This was excellent. I agree, and my voice is gone, you guys. Just so you know, like Akeem's been telling me all week that I sound like shit, and I apologize. I probably sound like shit, like I'm like somebody is like buried my face in something. But I appreciate you guys rocking with me, um, and a rich. Um, as always, brother, this was a fun show. Um, if that's not it, I'm going to, I'm going to get out of here. You got anything yeah, else man. for, for the fans, for the no. for bills mafia before we head out? Nope, not at all, man. Excellent job tonight. We appreciate everybody that tuned in. We'll be back next week. I will be back Tuesday night, 9 30 PM. Yep. Buffalo blueprint Tuesday night. And I'll be back next week on Billsology with a rich. So, for everyone that watched, I appreciate you guys watching, following along, support the brand. If you haven't liked, so you can still smash that like, drop some comments. We'll answer all of them. I'm DM3 for A Rich. This is Built in Buffalo. Have a good weekend.